All right, gang, so just a quick heads up. Uh, instead of doing what I've been promising for ages, which is to get around to that audiobook, instead I went ahead and compiled all 10 years of the Blue Skies writing that I did and put it together in a fucking book. You'd be able to find it in pretty much any of the marketplaces that Amazon has. It is literally every single word I ever wrote from that magazine, and it's all put together in nice book form. You can buy it in ebook, you can buy it in paperback, back and believe it or not you can even buy it in fucking hardback this one not only includes all the articles that were in the first fucking pilot book but about 60 more articles it's got 350 or so pages of some pretty funny inappropriate and hopefully informative shit so check it out Blue skies call. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings, and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot, the Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch, the JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game, the Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. 
and demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! All right, we are back in the can with another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. I am the fucking pilot, and we've got someone in the studio this time. No Skype, uh, no magic of the internet. Uh, He's going to tell us about some seriously extensive experience doing some really cool, fun, crazy shit. So tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do? (laughs) My name is Craig Gerard, and I am a... uh guess you could probably say that I've my the majority of my skydiving has been formation skydiving all right okay four-way eight-way large formation organizing tunnel coaching uh, that type of uh, slant on it sure (laughs) so pretty much everything and and uh, the majority of which in the uh, in the sport itself more belly oriented than anything for sure yeah so when did you start skydiving I just had my 38th anniversary, March 14th. Wow. So I was, uh, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. And uh, I just remember uh, eighth grade, the Golden Knights jumped into my, my middle school. And uh, I was, I think, eighth grade to like 13, 14 years old. And uh, I was, uh, saw some parachutes out of the back of my house. So like, I was there were some balloons taken off. And it's pretty far out there. It's sure. Like, maybe five, six miles out there. I could see the balloons. I could see parachutes flying around. I was like, did a little research and I said something to my dad. I was like, hey, look, you know, there's, they're advertising skydiving for $65 for your first jump course. So right. there's no AFF or no tandem. <laughs> and so uh, I said, my dad's like, yeah, do you have the cash? I said, yeah, I have the cash. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a call. And so, yeah, like a couple wow. of days later, came home from school and, and, and off to the races. Off to the races, yeah. So I made my first jump and thought I was just going to go make one jump. And <laughs> my dad and I made our first jump together. Cool. Yeah. So. You're actually the second person that I've had in the booth that started with their parent, uh, uh, Junior, David Junior Ludwig. Is that right? Same thing. He started with his dad as well. And uh, yeah, so like my dad was 42, something like that. I was 15. Wow. And, yeah. And so... Uh, since I was going there with my dad and uh, the instructor, the owner of the drop zone, in 1981, he was 73 years old. Okay. <laughs> wow. He was uh, never had a driver's license. He was a uh, had he had 16,000 flying hours. <laughs> he made his first jump in 1931, 29, something like that. This is the truth. Jesus. And and Joe Crane, the founder of the Parachute Club of America, which is now USPA, was his instructor. Wow. Yeah. So that's my instructor. And so he made his last jump in 1955. Okay? <laughs> he had 400 jumps. And so he, uh, as as you can imagine, he was, 
he was an awesome guy. And so we showed up at his house and did his the class in his backyard. And he asked my dad, he's like, uh, is he 16? And my dad's like, yeah. And that's that's all that was ever said. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, and it, <laughs> talk about getting started with some serious i mean there's that's that's the whole lineage the heritage of skydiving right there i mean wow we i talked to uh, uh, melissa nelson who said the the same thing that it's such a young sport that you have the opportunity to go out and make jumps with and experiences with your heroes and the the beginnings of the sport i told her the very first uh, um paid video i ever shot was a four-way with lou sanborn on it <laughs> who the fuck is to do that you know right He's still jumping. Yeah. He's still jumping. Which gives all of us hope. I mean, what a badass. But I was, I was actually on his supposedly last jump at Scott of Chicago. And uh, I've since heard that he couldn't he couldn't, <laughs> couldn't hold down the retirement and had to keep jumping. He's like the Rolling Stones. It's his last tour over and over <laughs> and over again. Yeah, somewhere in one of my tapes, I've got that very first jump of, of Lou, and it was the owner of the Vegas Tunnel and uh, Juliana C., who I'm sure you know, uh, um, Brazilian. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Know really well. Badass. Super well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had the biggest crush on her. Everybody did. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's just fucking gorgeous in this amazing skydiver, and I had no jumps and no idea what the hell was going on. I hadn't seen her for, in forever, um, and uh, yeah, I think I, I ended up fa- Facebook friends with her again, but... She she doesn't remember she's me. uh i've known her for a long time and so she was uh she was she moved back to brazil and she was uh i, I coached the brazilian four-way team for five years mm. before i came here and uh, she's on that team and so i went to brazil mm, 2018 like three times to go work with those guys and wow. she's she's killing it she's doing a great job isn't that awesome yeah she's doing great well, so you go out and you, you make these first jumps with dad and, and start skydiving, but uh, where does it become what it is now? I mean, how did you start to go into becoming a full-time skydiver? And, and Well, you know, let me preclude that, Dean, because like, a lot of people ask me this, like, you know, like, how did you, like, what was your road to, like, uh, winning a world championship? Mm. Basically the same thing. And, you know, it goes back to this first jump because I was 15 and, you know, I, I was on the wrestling team and just I was super little. I was like five foot three, like. That changed. Hot, hundred and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 115 pounds or something like that, soaking wet. But um, I, you know, was I was in a school with like a. 1200 kids at it you mm. know and it's like I was basically a nobody just trying to fit in and and man i went out to go skydive and we my dad and i decided we we're going to go back the next day and, sure and make a second jump like dude let's do it <laughs> like we thought you know it doesn't happen very often right and so we went out the next day and and i broke my leg okay uh, seriously yeah, I broke my leg in my second jump with a round parachute you know, like downwind, you know, feet apart, no PLF kind of thing. And so I was in a cast and I was just driving out to the drop zone like every weekend just just to listen, just to hear what was going on. Sure. And, man, in that time, people were really super kind and and just welcoming you know? sure and it was like that that truly that was the that was the grabber for mm. me that was a grabber and it was like i just wanted to spend my whole time out there and so and then all of a sudden i'm i go back to school with this cast and people are like how'd you break your leg i was like skydiving they're like yeah right 
That's awesome. And, but then eventually, like in in when I was a, a sophomore in high school, I actually jumped into the um, the USFL had a, had a, a game in Phoenix, like in Sun Devil Stadium there. All right. And I remember jumping in the game ball, and the quarterback from our our football team was like saw me coming off the field. He's like, "You're in my economics class." <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah. you, you've kind of hit on the the what seems to be the magic theme for everybody that I've talked to is that the uh, um, the uh, most common ground is community. It's for sure. it's been community for literally everybody, and in every aspect of it. Uh, uh, even talking to uh, uh, Ellis Borbonet recently, um, it was the same in the base jumping community as well. Uh, it's just such a tight knit community. Um, so the the community draws you in, and and you go full bore from a very young age. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I joined the military, joined the army when I was seventeen. And okay. So, um, I like did the like the delayed entry so i'd like joined in february and i, I graduated like a, a semester early okay. my senior year and so went in the army and and i had actually seen the gold knights jump into my middle school mm. right and so i just thought that gold knights were like uh you know the blue angels or the thunderbirds is like you know gotta be an astronaut to get on the gold right, knights, right. You know? and i just remember seeing the gold knights they won like the four-way world championship the year i started jumping and when I was in the army, I was in the army. I was as a helicopter mechanic for for four years. Okay, but then I was jumping and ran into a bunch of ex Golden Knights, and they were like, "You should try out for the Golden Knights." So I, I joined the military to fly helicopters. Right, and so they weren't taking pilots at the time. So I went in as a, a mechanic, and so I put a, a application in for flight school and for the Golden Knights at the same time. Wow! And I was like, "Whichever one of these comes back first, I'm doing it." And that's cool. Yeah, so so you kind of left it up to the, the almost the flip of a coin tossed by the military. Well, they they still it was they, they weren't taking pilots into flight school, so I was you know like I got accepted to the to go to Golden Knight tryouts, made the team. Oh and, wow! Yeah, so. that must have been an insane accomplishment. Your dad must have just been through the roof. Super proud. He had so to be. I mean, come on, it's the fucking Golden Knights, man. I mean, um, to this day, the Golden Knights are still. I'm not to sound punny, but the gold standard. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, and granted, when you've got the military resources, you can do some serious training. But wow. So um, it's funny because um, a lot of the people that especially the younger skydivers um, have all gone through their, I don't know, kind of, I want to say dirtbag phases, big time partying. And, and you know, I, you've, got, you've, been, you've been in it longer than I have. And it's, it used to be the dirtier the jumpsuit and the more trash the rig, the better the skydiver was. Um, but you, for as long as I've known you, have always been the epitome of professional. Um, and I assume that uh, part of that is uh, because of the military, but a part of that's just you. Yeah. I mean, uh, where, where did that come from? That's for sure military. Yeah. I mean, it's like I, I, I really enjoyed my time in the, in the military, like wearing the uniform, even when I wasn't on the Golden Knights. I, I like, you know, just like the, I like the whole everything about it. But the, um, you know, never see me with really long hair. Right. You know, it's right. like, and, and same thing, you never see me with a lot of facial hair. Sure. It's like shave kind of thing. Mostly because it's gray now when it comes <laughs> out, so it doesn't look so great. But, but yeah, it actually, I, I, I give a lot of credit to the, to the Army Parachute team. They really did a great job, not just with me, but everybody that, that comes to that team because it's a highly selective tryout process. Mm. So you're, you're with a bunch of, of 100 percenters wherever you go. And so, 
very high standards. And so I think it just kind of carried through with a lot of that also into when I, after I left the the Golden Knights uh, and the Army in uh, 1995, I went out to Arizona and, mm. and joined Arizona Airspeed. Mm. And that kind of continued into that, like a lot of the training mentality and, and the way we approach stuff, com- like combined with how Airspeed did it. So we kind of kind of made it like a little bit of a hybrid sure. with that. But it was, I definitely give full credit and man, the Golden Knights for me, it was a skydiving scholarship. Yeah, you know? no doubt, no doubt. Well, and, and to to be able to transition from something like the Golden Knights into airspeed, I mean, mm-hmm. fuck. I talked to to Dan BC, and of course, got a little bit of the history of of airspeed. But I mean, airspeed is still one of the most winningest teams in skydiving history. Yeah, this and this year, and it's kind of funny because um, the. Uh, not to like, I'm going to segue around something, come back to it again about because by all means, air, airspeed is it. So, the we're based out of Eloy, Arizona, mm. Skydive, Arizona. So, the World Cup of Formation Skydiving is in Eloy this year in October. And so, the 25th anniversary of airspeed is this year. Oh, wow! Yeah, so we're going to have the, the 25th anniversary. So, all members, I'm going to put this out right now <laughs> on. on the fucking pilot is the that, fucking that, pilots that, podcast. <laughs> yeah, damn right. Podcast. It, all airspeed members, you are you are cordially invited. I'm gonna send some emails out to everybody, but uh, we're gonna try to have the 25th uh, reunion of airspeed at the World Cup. Wow. Yeah, and so. Why I'm here and Dean, you know this. So I'm I'm working with the Russian eight way team, <laughs> right? Okay? And so I I know we want to go this chronologically, but I kind of got to get this out it's here. <laughs> and so um, you know I was, you know the um, the Russians, the Russian eight way team. They they want to win. They want to they want to beat the Golden Knights, of course. And so they they actually took second behind them last year in Australia, and um, so. They uh they're trying to win a world championship, but there's no they're not teenagers, man. Sure. <laughs> so sure. I mean, the youngest guy is 45, and there's two guys that are 55. The sponsor's 55. Wow. And, and another guy was on the he was uh, at the world championship in 1991 when I was on the Golden Knights, and this guy was on the Russian team in 1991. <laughs> yeah, and he's on the team right now. Wow. And so, I mean, there's a there's a um I'm really happy that they asked me to help them. You know, and so it's been a three-year thing, and that's kind of kind of a cool reason why I'm I'm back here. Trying to get sure, those guys sure. Well, it's it's funny. Um, I mean, it says a lot for the longevity of uh, uh, you know uh, an athlete in this sport. Mm. Uh, you take care of yourself, and you've got a long career in yeah. skydiving. I mean, Lou Sanborn, another one. I mean, how old is Lou now? He's got to be in his eighties. Eighties for sure. Fucking hell, yeah. and he's still jumping out of airplanes. Yeah. You know, that's that's absolutely incredible. And I, dude, I. That's a that's a big deal to be jumping when you're 80. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a guy at our drop zone. He the guy's 83. Guy guy is man looks like he runs every day. I mean, like this guy's in top shape. Sure, you know? I'm like I'm I'm want to be like that yeah but i'll tell you what though there's people that are saying the same damn thing about you i mean how old are you now 53 all right so 53 years old you're only a couple years older than me and i don't think either of us look our age both of us tend to try and stay in good condition Mm -hmm. if for nothing else just because i'll be damned if i'm gonna let those fucking kids outrun (laughs) here no i don't know where it happened but somewhere along the lines i became the old guy on the drop zone or on the load and i'm sure you know the feeling too because skydiving it it tends to stay a relatively young sport sometimes and uh i i've gotten used to being the oldest guy 
at the table. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Me but too. I'm not the slowest guy at the <laughs> no, table. That's, that's true. That's all yeah. I care about. I don't need to be the youngest. I just don't need to be the slowest. Especially after somebody's like, hey, man, you're, you've been around for a long time. You want to go run a race? Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it, was, it was funny talking to Dan BC as well. He's all, people uh, you know, call me a, a pioneer in the sport. And you could tell there was a bit of an insult <laughs> in being called a pioneer. Fuck you. I'm not that old, man. <laughs> So, so you get to Airspeed. So you you joined Airspeed in would you say ninety five? I joined Airspeed. I left the army in, in February of ninety five and went right to Airspeed. Okay. And they they were trying to win their first world championship. And so, in nineteen ninety four, the year before, we I, we'd been competing against each other since late eighties, like with sure. Jack Jeffries and Danby C, Kirk Verter, Mark Kirkby. And so we'd always been talking about, you know, oh, it'd be really good to do a team together someday, but I was like, that yeah, wasn't gonna happen. I was in the army there. Sure. And so as things happened, I kind of found myself out there. And so Larry Hill, the owner of Sky of Arizona, who I've known, he was a owned a drop zone when I started jumping mm. in Arizona too. So known him for since I started, you know, in the beginning. And so he welcomed me with open arms and then I so I became the alternate for those guys mm. went to the world meet in 95 with airspeed and then we started an, another four-way team and so with the hopes of after they win the world meet that we would combine those two teams to do an eight-way, t- eight-way wow. project and try to win both try to win four-way and eight-way epic and so, yeah epic well now um so uh, I've got my own little funny Arizona airspeed story, and it takes place in uh, 98. Were you on the eight-way team mm-hmm. in 98? All right. So you might even remember this because I was on the plane with you. Okay. Um, funny enough, um, I was uh, competing sky surfing. Um, we were competing against Craig and Tanya, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Omar was on doing freestyle, and I'm pretty sure it was airspeed doing eight-way, uh, leaving last. And we're getting up towards the top of the jump run and, and uh, or getting, I think we're two minutes or so. And, and we look back in the back of the airplane and of course we're the dirtbag sky surfers. So we're all, everybody's laid back and it's Omar's got the, the, um, the whole freestyle mentality. So it's almost, you know, that, that free fly set back in the day. And uh, you guys are in the back, black jumpsuits, everything's intense, gloves are on, and your eyes closed, and everybody's going through their moves, and it's quiet in the airplane. It's just dead silence. And all of us, I think it was load one, and uh, uh, all of us are just kind of looking around, and Tanya O'Brien looks back and says something along the lines of, hey, airspeed, don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> I've never laughed so hard. Got a bunch of eyes opening up. Oh yeah. Well, and it, that that sh- that was uh, um, the first time that I I really got to see the difference in the mentality that goes into. I mean, there's a lot of intensity that goes into the sky surfing and all these other, but nothing quite as grand as something like eight way. And I mean, holy shit, you guys are in deep. That's incredible amount of of training that has to go on and and mental training because if if you think about like is if you're doing 12 jumps a day five days let's say 60 jumps a week yeah okay that's what we did 60 jumps a week with that eight way in in 1998 we did 1300 eight ways jesus christ in 1998 1300 (laughs) in one year 1300 because we had to because we 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 were beaten by the golden knights by Mm. two points they went to the world championship and, and uh, won the world championship in 1997. And in 1998, we we actually we 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 beat them at the nationals, and then we won the, the world championship in 1999. Mm. And so, if and you th- you bring this up, Dean, because it's really it's a it's a lot easier to to see it like 
if, if there's eight people and you're doing 12 jumps a day, 60 jumps a week, and you you can't have people brain locking. But hmm. at that level, I mean, any the smallest little, if you just have a little glitch where you like start to move the wrong way, basically it's like a, an engine that that gets out of timing. You know, throws because, a spoke. Yeah, yeah, especially when it's full full bore, like it starts off kind of a little calmer and then it starts shifting into gears and then as it's going like like if you have a brain lock it's going to just shut the whole thing down sure so when when you're at that level so you're doing these eight ways how many points generally were you getting on a load and it would go up, like, just to tell you, like, where the averages went. So I won my first world championship in 1989 with a 13.8 average. So over 10 rounds, we had 138 points, hmm. okay? 1991, it, we had uh, 18.3. It wow. went up five points. A lot of, uh, did a lot of innovation. A lot of teams did a lot of innovation and pushed, French team pushed us really hard. Hmm. So went to 18.3, and then 1993 was like 18 or 19, kind of like that. And it kind of, we were the first team to ever break the 20-point barrier. It was like wow. the four-minute mile. Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. And so we broke that in, in 1996 at the, the World Cup in Belgium. And so nobody had done it. Then we went back to the Nationals, and the Golden Knights beat us by two. They did like a 20.5. We oh did my 20.3. God. And so, yeah. Oh, my it. God. Yeah. So when, when you're at that level and you're pulling those number of points with an eight-way, I mean, and for those that don't know, uh, each point is a different formation. Right. Uh, so a different grip. Uh, even if it's just a slight move, it's a change for mm -hmm. each person in that. Yeah. So you're talking about a ridiculous number of changes in one free fall, and it's what, 45 seconds of working time? 50 seconds of working time. So 50 yeah. seconds, that's mm -hmm. all you've got to bang out as many points as you can. At that point, are you thinking, I've got to grab this guy's leg and then I've got a side slide over here, or is it just automatic? It's automatic. It would have yeah. to be. Well, the thing is, you, you and it kind of goes back to what we're talking about with the, the, the not trying to brain lock and have mental errors. It's a lot of rehearsals, and so what you were, you know, um, referring to before when Tanya said, hey, <laughs> don't fuck it up. <laughs> it's like everybody, like you get in the plane and man, everybody is going through their, 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 um, their mental training, you know, sure. with eyes closed and like going through the movements and like simulating picking up the grips and like seeing the keys. And so all that's done with your eyes closed. And so the thing is, you don't want to be the guy that brain locks because, you know, if there's seven guys don't brain lock and you're the only guy that brain locks, like you can't do that every jump. Yeah. Yeah. You're the one that threw the blade in the engine and it all goes to shit. But it's also like sometimes that is necessary because sometimes you, you don't have a brain lock for a very long time and you get complacent and, sure. and you realize you just get, get distracted and and you realize that, you know, you, you in through your training, you realize that you could actually see that coming sure because like you making that mistake. And so I think sometimes the mistake making process is actually a super big part of it as long as it's not every jump. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, no, I mean, I, I learn more off of the things that I fucked up than I have yeah. the things that I've done right. Because mm -hmm. if you do something kind of right, then it reinforces what might not necessarily be the right thing to do. You screw it up and you go, okay, that's absolutely yeah. what not to do. <laughs> Let's move forward from there. Now, uh, with that level of intensity, though, and this is... I've not done much, uh, not done any really formation skydiving in, in respect to that kind of stuff, just playing around. Certainly not on any kind of competitive level. Is it fun? That's super fun. Because it, it always looked to me to be so intense. And I remember overhearing one team that was having a rough day training, uh, and I don't even remember what drop zone, and um, one of the guys said, we're fucking going in if we don't get this point. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I remember thinking, okay, uh, nah, it doesn't sound like fun to me. You know, it, it's so intense and which obviously is, has its own draw, but man. Yeah. Well, part of it is, is that's what the attraction was, is finding guys that are, and women that are, you know, are that intense and, but also understand about making mistakes. And so it is intense. Nobody's ever going to be upset with you unless you are just intentionally trying to blow it. Like, mm. like you're just not giving a shit. Like, and you can see your behavior in the aircraft. Like you can tell if you're just like distracted and sure. and, and the jump's not going to go, but like that stuff's not put up with for very long in right. training. And so it was high intensity, but we wouldn't train for so long. Like we would do max five days training for two weeks. Okay. And then, then it wouldn't be like oh, the whole month. Like it was just, it's just too much for too long. Well, yeah. I mean, to, to operate at 100% all the time and you're not giving yourself any room to, to slack yeah. off. Now, now uh, the flip side of that was you get to the ground where the, the parties and the, the times at the bomb shelter or, <laughs> or uh, the bent prop yeah. just as just as intense. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully you don't have to train the next day, but, you know, that's, uh, you know, sometimes that's, you know, if you're organizing it like a boogie, which was one of the things we had to do, like when we, sure, because like, part of the sponsorship was we all those organized events, Christmas boogie, Easter boogie, Halloween boogie, stuff like that. Like we would organize and people would come for that. But there was 10 organizers. Sure. You know? And so it drew a lot of people. And this is like in the heyday of, of formation skydiving, mm. you know, and I mean, it's still like a lot of people are like, oh, it's dying down, but no, no it's, it's huge. It's really big. And. They're still doing style and accuracy, for Christ's sakes. I mean, come on. That's like watching a fucking uh, helium balloon run out of gas. <laughs> well, you know. I just pissed a few people off. But. <laughs> hey, he said that. No yeah, way. I did. I did. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, to each his own. But, like, you know, sometimes, I mean, that was that was the formation skydiving or the free flying or the wingsuiting of sure. its day. Yeah. You know? And so... You know, especially depending where you grew up. If you're growing up in like a little farm town, and and your your parents were like accuracy jumpers or style jumpers, sure, kind of that's what you did. I think that's what you do. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I started my jumping career in in uh, Vegas, and and I was coming up just as free flying was taken off. I think the very first video chronicles by Zipser and the boys had come out, which was fucking groundbreaking. Yes. And it came out, um, I don't know, maybe the the first year, second year I was in the sport, maybe. Um, but of course, as soon as I graduated AFF, oh, you go got to go buy an rw suit with grippers all right because that's what you're supposed to do and then promptly never fucking use them for anything you know and and uh and then moving forward again it became the the whole free fly thing and delivering oh, yeah. pizzas all over the sky and and oh yeah and that iconic video uh the iconic clip in in uh um, chronicles with zipser uh to a, a sublime song running upside down to the camera doing two or three cartwheels and then turning around and running away on his head just you don't need any drugs to just go, what the fuck did I just watch? You know, and this was groundbreaking at the time. Uh, and back then, for me, you guys were doing the hardcore organizing stuff, but, uh, um, you know, our idea, the Free Flyers idea of an organizer at uh, Skydiving was usually organizing around a shots or other entertainment <laughs> along the way. So definitely a different world, yeah. for sure. But that was like, that was that the era when Free Flying was just in its infancy. Mm. There was like, everybody was in Eloy. Everybody was in, like, the Flyboys were all there. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, Olaf was there. O Omar was there. I mean, I mean, all the guys, like, was a big deal, you know. And then, then, then Flyboys got, like, sponsored by 
by, by Paris, by yeah. Paris, but before that, Craig and Tanya and the Flyboys were up in Taft. Mm. And so, like, Airspeed went up there to go train, and they kind of met up with those guys, and then those guys came to Arizona, and, like, it was a big, it was it was like a mecca, man. It was sure. really, really cool. Sure. Know? Now, one of the impressions that I got back in the day, and, and I've, I've definitely uh, changed my opinion uh, somewhat, but uh, um, the with the exception of the organizing, a lot of the teams, four-way and eight-way, seem very standoffish. And I assume now that it was just because of the intensity of the training. Yeah, it could be, especially in the plane if you're trying to joke with people. Like, you know, sometimes you, as soon as you get in the plane, especially if it's a if it's a, a non-repeater, like if you're if you don't have the same five points, you have to do you know, do five points and it flips you to another position. And mm. so a lot of times I would get in that plane and I didn't have it. And so I, I could not even have a conversation. I couldn't even look at anybody. Sometimes someone would nudge me and say something. I'd like, I would answer and then I'd just close my eyes and go right back <laughs> again because you can, you can hide. You're like, you know, no one's going to come like, you know, I'll give you an example at the wind tunnel. Like mm. if you're competing at a wind tunnel and trying to keep that same intensity, man, it's like as soon as you open your eyes, somebody's kind of got eyes with you and they're waving right at you. You're just like, man, you got You cannot it's even done. You got to have your eyes on the floor and like don't look at anybody because everybody's just trying to like wish you luck. You know, it's imagine if you're in the airplane, you know, you're in the Twin Otter and, and all of a sudden, you know, like boom, 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 someone's banging on the window next to you like, woo, have a good jump, have a good jump. You know, so it's, I think it's a lot easier when you're skydiving. I mean, because it's at least 15 minutes of no one's going to talk to you. Sure. You know, and so it's, I think you get in that, that routine that like, that's your quiet place where you're going to lock that jump in before you go jump. Sure. And then you go to the tunnel and it's like, I, man, it's really challenging because it's to, to keep your, to, to stay mentally sharp for competition inside of a tunnel. Oh, it has to be. It absolutely yeah. has to be. Well, because it's the only time that uh, you actually have spectators. It's not people crowded around the TV. It's people fucking watching you doing this stuff. And how do you block that out, especially when you're used to that high intensity when it's just you in the sky, just you and your team in the sky. So I can imagine that's got to get pretty difficult. It's, I think uh, for, for me specifically, and I, I think it happens with anybody that that's done a lot of formation skydiving is you you have a routine hmm. you have a routine and you keep working your routine and you try to keep that routine as simple as possible and you do the exact same thing every jump and when you do that for example if i'm gonna if i'm gonna do a a, a jump and it has five different formations like i see myself you know going through the formations i see the key but super slow hmm. and then once it goes through and i and i'm i have it um, pretty familiar at that speed. Then I'll kind of speed it up, and then speed it up again, and and just go through little details. But there's some point in there that I know I'm like I've got it. Sure, I've got it. And like I tell myself I got it, and I can actually just like I got it and kind of back off just a little bit and just mm. kind of keep it. It's there's always a loop like in the back of my mind, like just in a, on a on a on a like a loop, like sure. running through there, and so. But I, I think everybody has that that's successful at it, has, has a routine and, and continues to work it. For sure. Well, and I would think you would have to. Now, um, uh, you obviously started out doing the the uh, uh, stuff with 4-Way and 8-Way before tunnels were a factor. How much has that changed the game? Night and day. Yeah. It, it actually, it, it changed everything. Yeah. It changed everything. It's like the, and not just for formation scouting, but for free flying. Everything. Free flying, man. It's like. It's insane. I mean, now I, I can remember like going to the, the Orlando Tunnel and there was probably 10 people that could fly in their head. Yep. 10 guys. Yep. I, I mean, it's like, you know, not that many. Yep. Not that many. Now, dude, everybody. Everybody. It, it's, 
little yeah. kids. Yes. I'll tell you what, though, the the one thing about that and being one of the one of the old dogs that really didn't get to put the the modern tunnels to use is I take great pride in the fact that I can get on my head at all because I had to learn one jump at a time. So I pat myself on the back for being one of the old guys that had to do it that way. Um, and I also thoroughly enjoy having my ass handed to me with somebody that's got 50 jumps that's literally flying circles around me in the tunnel because it's just fucking cool. You can't watch it and not just yeah. go, that's amazing. It, it, and it's, it's you have to be supportive. And it's like, but listen, like, Dean, sometimes I see it like people that are my age or older and they're, they don't like the tunnel. They're like, I don't like the tunnel. It's like, I like the air more. It's like, and I know why, because like people are like they, they're they're going to be embarrassed. They don't like being embarrassed. Sure. But like it, if you're going to learn, it that's part of learning. Sure. Like, especially if 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 you don't know it and you're going to try to learn it now, it's like there's that part of. The, the learning process oh, yeah. happened. Well, and I remember, uh, um, I, I maybe I'm a little bit more accepting of the modern tunnels because I worked back in the day in, in Vegas and uh, uh, in the tunnel there. And uh, I remember um, my old Skyster partner, Mary, and I were both in tunnel instructors there. And we were going back and forth to Paris training for skysurfing because uh, we needed the otter to train out of. And, and uh, we became friends with uh, Fritz and Eli and the guys. And eventually said, hey, you guys have got to come down and check out the tunnel. Well, there were only three tunnels in the world at the time. There was the military tunnel at Fort Bragg, and then there was Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and Vegas. That was it. Um, so, of course, this was just the coolest thing in the world. It's only it's a DC-3 propeller and 120 miles an hour of air and massive balloon suits. Yeah. But we could fly the shit out of that for what it was. And we got the, these are the flyboys. These are, you know, cutting edge free flyers bouncing off the walls, just were handing their asses to them. And it was fucking amazing because, are you kidding? That's, that's, that's Eli Thompson. And he can't do what I can do. Awesome. You know, so now it's the same thing as I go in there and I watch these young kids just shredding in the tunnel doing things I literally will never, ever be able to do. And I think it's, Fantastic. I mean, I I was at the 2005 World Cup in Eloy, and I saw Olaf Zipser break his arm because he hadn't flown the tunnel that much. Yep. And, you know, and, and he kind of corked out a little bit and put his arm out and broke both bo- both forearm bones. And you know, it's it's one of those things where people are like that was Olaf is like, and, and even then, that's when things were just still, yeah, like you know, a lot of people hadn't flown that much in there. So. No, no, I just had uh, I had Ray Kubiak on the show. Ray Liable. Yeah, man. So, and I, I, I just said this to him as well. My biggest bragging rights when it comes to a tunnel is I taught Ray how to fly in the tunnel. Well, he's an unbelievable. He's guy. the unbelievable. original ninja, man. He really is. Even, even to this day, because he was in Arizona for so long. Sure. And so, you know, when you see people fly in the tunnel, and and, and you haven't experienced, I, everybody has a style, mm. and so. Nobody flies like Ray. Ray did tricks that nobody else did. Yep. I mean, and in man, when he got to Eloy, he came from Vegas. Yep. You know, and yep. he, he was a killer there. And it didn't take him long to be a killer. I mean, it was he was. I mean, he was doing stuff. I mean, he was six foot everything and next mm-hmm. to you know a hundred and nothing yeah. pounds, and so he was built for that Vegas tunnel. Uh, and he was doing stuff um, eventually in Vegas that literally no one else could do, yeah. uh, and then transitioned into this ridiculous flying and uh, in his own style and his own moves. And I credit him for a shitload of the revolution that happened in the tunnel because he influenced so many people uh, going in, turning the air down, getting more dynamic with it. And Trying all these things, just insane fly. He, uh, well, he's in, he's in, uh, I think Virginia Beach. Yep. Now. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. I miss him. He's a, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, shout out Ray. 
Yeah. His ears are burning. Reliable. Yeah, man. <laughs> so you do airspeed, um, four and eight-way teams. How long were you on uh, competing actively with them? With airspeed, 17 years. Jesus oh, Christ. So I was I was uh, eight years on the Golden Knights and 17 with, with airspeed and then... That's that's a, a long time with one team. Yeah. How many times did you guys take the gold? Me personally? Yeah, or just you us? personally. So I won three world championships, all eight-way with on the Golden Knights, and then some World Cups, but like mostly we just talked about world championships. Sure. So won three eight-way world championships um, on the Golden Knights, and then went to airspeed and won... Two more eight ways and two more four ways. Jesus. So, so seven total. I, I like how I like how you had to go. We'll just talk about the world titles because yeah. the uh, <laughs> other stuff. See, <laughs> well, <laughs> too many to count. Well, because man, it's they're they're monsters. You know, they're yeah. Monsters well, that's that's yeah. that was the goal, and that's yeah. what Dan BC said. Is just, uh, look, we started airspeed to win the world. Yeah, that's it. We wanted to beat the fucking French. Yeah, because I mean the French were a sponsored team. They had the mm-hmm. full ride. They were doing stuff that you guys couldn't do. So and the Golden Knights too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't discount that. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, and so, but I, I mean, with airspeed, one of the coolest things is like trying to win both events. And so, you know, we almost did it. Almost did it. Like uh, 2001, we. Won the four way and, and on the last round of eight way we we kind of blew it in the last round oh, and so man. lost it in the last round so but it was like that thing trying to win not even like the hundred meter two hundred meter because Usain Bolt's done that like it makes it look easy right man, right crossing the finish line looking at the camera you know but uh, trying to win it you know was a it was a big goal a sure big goal and it was that that kind of uh, goal setting was was really addictive like when when you're with a, a bunch of super hard driving people and they're mm. trying to do something that's never been done before that that was a big that's a big attraction for that absolutely yeah. well and you set a lot of goals like that though i mean you started getting into the really large formation skydiving stuff that personally terrifies the shit out of me uh and probably rightly so because holy shit um you, so you started out in the big formation stuff um what was the progression with that so we did uh i had the f- the first big way that I was on was the the one that Airspeed did in the three hundred way, mm. and so at that point I'd never even been on a hundred way, wow. right? And so like I think the biggest thing I'd been on was like a I don't know, seventy way or something like sixty way, and so I was one of the organizers, and so I had a hundred way group, and, and this is kind of funny. So like for the three hundred way in Arizona, it's done out of um, fifteen <laughs> twin otters from from twenty thousand feet, and. Uh, Man, it, it built really well because you got you get twenty people out of an otter, and and if you're gonna do like the when it went to the the four hundred way, it was there was five C one thirties, right? You know, and it's like a lot of people in each of those, and it's really strung out, super high speed. It's like hundred and maybe one hundred and fifty knots because it's like at, I think it's at twenty four thousand. Sure, it's super fast. The exit is it's crazy fast, and so you know it was. Um, from 20,000 feet out of Twin Otters, and, and it actually worked really, really well. But kind of a funny story. Like, I had never even had been on a 100-way. Oh, yeah, I had been on a 100-way. It was like we did the Arizona Challenge. We did 100 ways. Mm. And so I think I had – it was like a, we had the 300 people, and then we had the bench. So I, it was like 107-way or something like that. you know. And so I'm organizing 100-way 
and there's another hundred weight right here, and there's another hundred weight right here, all out in this field, like an Eloy, you know, three different hundred ways. Like it's crazy if you think about that. Yeah. Like, hey, get, can you guys move your group over there a little bit? I need a little more space. So I'm organizing my group, and I'm like, hey, you guys, how many people? How many people this is the biggest formation they've ever been on? I'm like, come on, man, raise your hand. It's like it's the biggest formation for me too. <laughs> And so, but it was super, super fun, and uh, it was super successful. Mm. And, and so we built the 300 way. I think it was 2002. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and I know they had been trying to build the 300 way. They did like 287s and 290s and stuff like that. Been trying it for years. And so then uh, BJ Worth uh, in, invited most of the airspeed guys to help be part of the the to train like the bench guys. Like sure. The, for they have a, a, a group of uh, experienced skydivers on the bench. Right. So as they start with the record, as people are, you know, let's say the first four or five days, they're not going to cut anybody. Right. But if you start seeing the same mistakes, they're going to tell you, okay, this is, we've had four days. Any mistakes now, it's going to, you're going to be eliminated. Sure. Yes, unfortunately, but that's just how it has to work. And so if somebody was eliminated, we would send an experienced skydiver into that slot. And so we had... Um, we were in uh, in in Thailand in 2004, and even before the record, we had a big mass jump. So we we're going to go jump into like the the big parade field in downtown Bangkok, and there's not a lot of outs there, right? And <laughs> no, it was like no, 25, 30 mile an hour winds. Oh Jesus! 800 people jumping at the same time. It's so <laughs> all landing in the field, and so there was people everywhere. And so I think they injured like 30 or 40 people. <laughs> And so our bench was, we never had a chance to use it. You weren't the bench. You were. We were in it. We were in it. Jesus. Now, how did it, why was it uh, Thailand? Because it was sponsored by the the king of Thailand. It was uh, for his birthday, I believe. And so, but they had the military, like, covered all the planes. Yeah, they had the lift capacity. And they had multiple crews. So you'd have, like, they have rules, like, with military flying that you can only spend so much time above 10,000 feet on oxygen, and then you need a a replacement crew. And then they had another C-130 as a standby. So it was like, you know, imagine eight C-130s, you know, (laughs) with two crews, and and they had to go there beforehand and practice flying the pattern and spotting and that stuff. Was logistically... One in a million opportunity to yeah. do that. Yeah, you know? like I just remember seeing there was a video and it and it showed all the planes taxiing up, you know, to like pick up all the jumpers, and it's just like you can look down the runway, it's all <laughs> the fumes from the exhaust, and it's like everybody just walking to get on their planes, and they're all like like lined up nose to tail. That's know? insane. That's, amazing. I, that's just logistically that had to have been a nightmare, though. I mean, and you're you're dealing with pilots that have more than likely never flown skydivers before maybe not even flown formation before wow yeah well you as a pilot get this man it's like to to fly in formation you need to fly fast and so exit speed was 150 knots jesus christ but man it was and i was i was going i was xing an eight way Mm. so you know when i when i went there yeah like if you look at that 357 way and the 400 way there's one guy in a green suit right that's me (laughs) <laughs> and so I, I had to wear the green suit and everybody else was in like uh, red, white, and blue. 
mostly so people could pick out the heading because a lot of times if it comes out like that, if it's starting to build and it's like a <clears throat> a hundred way and it starts to rotate, I mean, sure. you can't really see it. You're just diving at it thinking that it's going to be like, this is six o'clock, this is 12 o'clock. You're diving at it, like looking for your approach angle and you're like, where's the dude in the green suit? And so you can check out his angle and, oh, maybe he's off a little bit. Right. Does that make sense? So, so um, anyway, so... That uh, we built that one it was a 357 way, and then uh, two years later we did a 400 way. Oh man! But listen, man, if we had a hundred more people on the 400 way, it would be a 500 way. It was that there was that much time. Wow! Right? So it was so much coordination. Like with we had, I had, uh, I had air to air communication. So like, I had. So there, in each of the five planes, there is a there's a transceiver. There's a receiver. Right. You know, there's one guy with a transceiver in each plane. So as I'm giving the count, like I'm giving the exit count and I'm doing the count off, and so in in uh, amongst all those planes, there's sixty receivers, like in people's helmets. Right. And so what was going on is we would exit and like we would build the base and and. We'd wait until it got the fall rate falling really fast, and then I would call the first wave in. So thirty people would come in and dock. All right. Okay. And then once they're docked, everybody's like in a stadium approach. Looks like everybody's like, you know, if you imagine a stadium looking from from the on a flat view, like if you're in the end zone, sure, like looking out, and you could look up, and you can see the the stairs going up like that. And this is how we would have the approach angle. It's almost like a you know, like a forty five degree approach, sure, like on an airplane sure. coming down in. And so as we're in the base, I could just see, man, there's. 400 people out here just all waiting like until just hanging I out get a chance to say okay next guys come on in so we had the next guys come in and then it got to be a 60 way and then when it was good it was like come on in. this is a minute dean just for the 60 <sighs> a minute that's insane so everybody's getting into position you know and then then once once the the 60 way is built it's like okay start docking and right then, and then all those guys with the receivers they're leading in their sectors so there's 10 sectors in there and so that one guy with the receiver when he starts coming in then then your sector follows behind you oh, wow. and it was really well planned and and the same thing like what you talked about is like i was man i was nervous i was like yeah. about the break off about the break oh off. god yeah no I, I, we haven't even gotten to that how freaky that that is to me oh it, my god it's actually dean after going through it it's super safe it's super safe but we're breaking off at like starting breaking off at like eight thousand. sure feet, you know so it's like and i was in the middle so i was thinking man i'm you know people are not going to be leaving fast enough and so man everything was timed with the pilot shoot and then the breakoff wave would go and then like five seconds later another pilot should go five seconds later those guys go but man, oh man! Mm -hmm. I mean, it just uh, having—I've uh, only seen. I think the biggest one I've ever seen is a hundred way, and and I was just blown away by the fact that I could hear them in free fall, you know, from the ground, and and amazed that they're pushing this much air out of the way, and and to be able to clearly see this hundred yes. way, and then watch it breaking off in rings and such. But I can't. I can't even wrap my head around it. And I've seen the picture of the 400 way more times than I can count, mm -hmm. but I don't think I've ever really tried to soak it in. Yeah. That that's 400 <laughs> people. It's a lot. In free fall at and yeah. and just to to build it, the closing speeds have got to be insane. I mean, it's it's that's a risky undertaking. Well, you know, it's it's a big it's a big ambitious project and it's mostly the biggest thing is the the organization of it. Mm. Like actually the skydiving part of it is the for me, the easier part of it, sure. but like the, 
just the the organizing the pilots, the aircraft, because like we tried to do, a, there was a plan to do a 500 way here. And so, you know, that was all going to go. And then we just had trouble getting the aircraft, sure. you know? And so like, you know, all the logistics for the hotels, all that stuff, like, and all that would have been great, but just getting the airplanes here. But we had to get them to do a 250 way and practice the jump runs, flying in formation with mm. two crews, da, 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 da. Yeah. It's, it's logistically That seems to be what uh, is going to keep anything larger than a 400 from happening. Well, the guy that I am, I'm coaching the sponsor of this Russian team. He wants to do it. So listen, so I, so Andre Barabash, and I'm not saying anything, he hasn't said it like, oh, I'm going to do this, but he's talking about it. And so he's like, you know, when they finish with the world champs, because they're training this, this eight weight team, they're putting a lot of money and a lot of time. All those guys are they're they're salaried athletes mm. on that team, and so, I mean, he's the support on it, and so, he he wants to win the eight way in twenty twenty in Russia, and he's going to be fifty six years old. Awesome. It's, and so the thing is, he you know he, he's a really big businessman, and he's and when I was at his drop zone in tonight. I, Dude, it's big enough to do a thousand way there. I was like, it was so massive. <laughs> and, and I said something. I was like, oh, you could do a 700 way here. And, and he goes, through a translator, he said, you know, if, if after this eight way project goes, maybe I think I might do the 500 way. Like, <laughs> but listen, we need guys like that. Yeah, of we course. Need guys of like course. That. Well, you need some big dreamers and ones yeah. that are just going to go, fuck it. I'm going to do what they say I shouldn't <laughs> do. And because that's how a lot of shit gets done. You're right. You man, know. oh man! Well, um, is have you gotten any blowback for training the Russians? Okay, that's. I'm glad you asked that because, because <laughs> not not directly, but you know, it was a quandary because when they asked me, even when I was on the Gold Knights, we were really good friends with the Russian eight way because mm. they were f- excellent athletes and excellent. Um, um, I don't want to say that, man. They're just uh, good sportsmen, man. Whether mm. they were, whether they won, or if they were in second place mm. or third place, they always were great sportsmen and and fair. And it's and we always had that when I was on the Golden Knights and on Airspeed, we always looked at them very highly. Mm. And so, I mean, when I first met the Russian team, I was this is like the late eighties, man. It was Eagle and the bear. Sure. And I, I remember I was in Vichy, France, 1988, reading, reading hunt for red October. And this is the <laughs> truth. I'm sitting against the hangar. It's kind of raining out there. And I'm right. looking at the Russian guys out there. I'm like, those are the guys that they're talking about in this book. Right. I'm like, and, and I'm in the U S army and those guys are all Russian military. And they were just the, kindest most awesome guys ever sure and well, so the i mean come on the 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 um the rivalry in the culture usa uh ussr is and um, that's our entire lives i mean yes. it's it's us against them it's the red army it's all this shit right <laughs> boycotting the boycotting the moscow olympics boycotting the la olympics exactly yeah. all that shit's what we grew up with and and uh, um uh, I, I love the fact that I've been in the sport long enough that embraces every culture and everybody else has said the same thing. At the, at, when it's all said and done, it's not a Russian skydiver or a French skydiver right. or an American skydiver. It's a fucking skydiver. Yeah. That's it, which yeah. is really cool. Not yeah. to say that there aren't Russians or French people or that I don't get no. along with, but at the, they're skydivers. So right. you, ha- you have that level of respect in the sport. And they, you know, they, people talk about that. You hear people say, well, like athlete, uh, athletics, 
like supersede that kind of stuff because mm. like, it's a different thing. But skydiving goes even a little bit more sure. because like we, it's one of the, the 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 things that we really preached on airspeed was to be very open with all techniques to share. If like you know, it's like not hiding anything. And if 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 we get beaten, then let's be let's be good athletes and sure. and celebrate for the guys that just beat us kind Absolutely. of thing you know and so to go back to your question dean so had i had I gotten any any grief not directly not directly <laughs> but you know i when they asked me i was like i was torn because i was thinking you know you know i i really want to but i was also it's a completely different different uh skydiving system sure like nobody even knows that since they look at they just the russians do some crazy shit sure you know well the russians <laughs> well that's what we always said they're russians man but sometimes they'll do that stuff really really well sure and so i, I was like man i really want to and and they asked me and so they asked nbc so the two guys that have coached the, the russian eight-way team is dan bc and myself oh wow and so yeah so so i agreed to it and and you know, I was uh, at the World Championship with the Golden Knights, and I'm still great friends with all those guys. Sure. And so, you know, and one of the things that that kept coming up on the interviews, like on Skydive TV, with with with, uh, with Sammy, were, yeah. with Sammy, and Sammy's like, you know, he he was he was asking those same kind of questions, you know, and it's like because people wanted to know, and um, I said, you know, you know, it's they they asked and and. You know, it's like, you know, with all like uh, football teams, like soccer teams, you know, like they all have like international coaches and sure. stuff like that. So it's a little bit the same way. But also it's like I want to make it competitive. Sure. Man. I want to make it competitive. It's, I don't want to like I don't want to like breeze through it. You know, it's right. like if the Golden Knights go do like a, a gajillion point average. and They beat everybody by 50 points. It's not so exciting. No, like, no, absolutely not. Like this last year with Hayabusa and, and Airspeed, it was tied up after the ninth round. And they did a 10th round jump off. That was exciting. Yeah, like absolutely. That's, that's what I want to see. Of course. Uh, well, although the real test about whether or not you're going to get any blowback is if they win. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's when we're going to find out if you're going to get shit. Well, the Golden Knights were. They did an interview and and on Skydive TV in Australia at the World Championship last year. And so what I I came in the next morning and they were all like, "Hey, Craig, did you see Skydive TV?" And I said, "No." They go, "Oh yeah, you gotta you gotta watch that." I was like. <laughs> And so they interviewed the Golden Knights, the whole eight-way team. And right. so Matt Davidson, who, who's retiring, I think, in a couple of months. He's mm. been on the team for 26 years. Jesus Christ. 26 years. Wow. Okay. And so he, so they asked Matt like what he thought about me coaching the, the Russian eight-way team. And, and Matt was he was he said something really sarcastic, like joking around. Sure. And so, but, I, but it was really cool. Like he did say, like, man, we're really – we can see the improvement and you know it's like we sure wish, wish them the best kind of well thing, so. and, and no doubt you're going to get shit for it but it's going to yeah. most likely be good-natured shit i hope so yeah <laughs> but, but there's also there's every now and then like i hear something from somebody and it's like i'm just going to act like i didn't hear that right you know cause right like, you know some people they, 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 and that's an opinion you know but. well i mean besides the fact that you're you're helping keep it competitive by um giving them the same tools that uh they're competing against which uh, there's nothing unfair about that it's not like you're giving them an extra leg up you're just showing them the same tools that these other guys have got um but you're also you and dan bc both being that Come on, there's a reason why you do it. You're yeah. you're helping this team, and you're taking care of yourself as well. And we're trying to raise the level of the sport. Of like, course, like the more that we have that, it's like then it gets more. 
the more information that's out there, the more people can spread it and develop new information. Of course. And uh, the further the sport goes. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's changed dramatically even in my time in the sport. And, and uh, although it seems like I've been in it in my mind for a short period of time, it's actually been a while. And 23 years in the sport's not a short bit of time, but so many things have changed. But over the past, I don't know, 10 years, they've changed drastically. Yes. And it's the tunnels and such yeah. like that, you know. That's an, that's its own sport now. Oh, I know. I mean, I think, and and I'm, I've seen the, the writing on the wall, it's going to be an Olympic sport. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, one of the reasons that, uh, uh, like sky surfing, when I was uh, with that with uh, Mary back in the day, um, the reason that it never really took off and the X Games only had it for a few years is because it's not spectator friendly. Yes, um, it's people can't wrap their head around it. Mm-hmm. Um, they they think it looks cool, but um, even back in the day, they were having a really difficult time judging it because everybody had such different styles, and there's not really any standardization with it. And and uh, um, the average Joe Blow doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on or how truly difficult it is. Whereas you get in the tunnel, and it, the same can be said that they don't really understand the difficulty level, but it's in their face, happening live, and it just looks amazing. Yeah. And it's right in front of the glass, like looking, right at, looking at the cakes in the bakery. Yeah. You know? It's right there. Well, and, and now they've got the uh, the uh, stage show that does the Peter Pan bit that Ray Kubiak was telling me about. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so now it's become this live entertainment, and it's, yeah. I mean, wow. Uh, I think you're right. It's going to end up an Olympic sport. It'll be a little while. I guess it just got turned down this time around, but hopefully yeah. for the next ones. Well, I went to a couple world games where they choose the next sport. Like, they would have 30 30 um, different sports invited, mm. and they would choose two for the next Olympics. And so I went to a couple of those, and, I mean, we were there with, like, bodybuilders and trampoliners and, <laughs> right. and rhythmic gymnastics. And right. It was really cool. It was like being a like a, an Olympic athlete. And, you know, they, the reason they didn't take formation skydiving is, you know, it's weather. Yep. Like they had bad weather, and then you're a dot. You're a little dot up there. Well, that's it. I don't think you're ever going to have a direct translation into Olympic sport that requires a TV to watch it right. live. Right. I just don't, you know, that's why oh. I think swooping will make it. Oh, man, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, and, and of course, the big thing with canopy piloting, and Junior and I laughed about this, is for as much as I love it, it's a lot like NASCAR. Mm-hmm. People go for two reasons. It's really cool, but they don't go to watch the cars go around in circles. So they go out. to watch them hit the fucking <laughs> yeah. wall. Yeah. So you're going, yeah. watching these chows. And of course, now, holy shit, a wipeout nowadays is a spectacular oh, sight yeah. to see. But at least it's on the water. You yeah. Know? So it's like, it's like, I mean, I don't want anybody to get hurt, but listen, like sometimes people love seeing like going in the water. Like they, they, they just, I think it's the best of both worlds for spectators. You oh know? yeah. We like, like that carnage for sure. <laughs> well, and that's one of the reasons that I think the freestyle thing that they got going in Copenhagen is so fucking yes. fun because it's a raft in the middle of a river. Everybody's yes. getting wet. Yeah. And, and the, the, the announcer for that and how well they've got that timed, like is they said something like I watched it on, on Facebook and it was like a two hour video, right? but man, it was so well executed. There was no, like no downtime. Like there was like a 30 second interview time and the next guy's coming down down to to do a swoop. Speaking of, uh, uh, Brian Regan did that. Yeah. 
I think he was Reagan, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, just in case you're listening, I'm gonna have to get your ass in the booth as well. I know you've got some great stories uh, to tell. You know, it was I know, actually. You know what? Yeah, I think Reagan was doing it, and there was another guy, an Irish guy, that did a really good job too. Yeah. But the 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 and I wasn't there, but I've just heard people talking about it. It was really well done. It was not a lot of sponsorship, just from the guys that like from the company that did it. Mm. And man, they and like they had it really well timed, just because it was never like downtime it was just either seeing an interview or seeing somebody getting ready Camping to land there yeah, yeah. well I, one of the things that junior said was uh, over the course of the weekend that they had it they had like a hundred thousand people come out to see it amazing did you ever think no i, I still have a tough time wrapping my head around that a hundred thousand people coming out to watch people land parachutes amazing. i mean i think it's that fucking cool mm-hmm. but i never Me thought too. it would get to this scale so i can only imagine what the next 10 or 20 years has gotten well i mean I've, I've been to a lot of swoop meets and and Especially, it's it's not so quick. I mean, it's like you know, like when you can take a two hour window and do the whole oh, thing, yeah. you know. And well, the perfect. the the most entertaining when when we were watching uh, swooping. This was back when I was working at Cross Keys. We had uh, the Tuesday morning swoop club, and we start at like six in the morning, and it's just a Cessna going up. So you had lots of gap in between time, but we were getting shitty ass drunk next to the pond. <laughs> so you just sit to the pond, get fucking <laughs> hammered, and watch guys chow all day. So it was amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, the yeah. fire trucks would bring out the fire hoses and they'd spray the, the pond to fill up the pond and guys are swooping under the water and getting taken out by the fucking water stream and you're just hammered on the side of the pond having a blast. So, you know, so I, go, ahead, go ahead. I think that would draw a, a large number of people too as oh, hell well. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Well, come on. Skydiving is a spectator sport, but the shit you're watching is usually just what's happening after yeah. the jumping's done. <laughs> man, I think tunnels, man. I think it's like swooping for sure, and then tunnels because you know there's just they're they're everywhere now. Yeah. They're everywhere, all over the place, you know. And now they're getting ready to have um they're gonna have the eight way the indoor World Cup for eight way. Yep. In in France next month in in April. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, um, a friend of both of ours, Lori Lubby, uh, just went to take a shot at getting on the national team for France. Okay. Because um, she was working in the at tunnels and, and head back there. So mm. again, more power to her. Right. What do you think of uh, like uh, Jetman and stuff? Well, Where do you think that's going, dude? I, well, one I've known those guys for a very long time, and uh, it's I, I think that they couldn't have picked a better two guys right <laughs> you know the personality on these yeah, guys yeah i mean just the talent and and those guys those guys are comedians man like, they are do you ever see him on the conan o'brien yeah, show he was fucking dying <laughs> absolutely dying and again shocked because you're sitting there watching on an international platform two guys that just like to jump off the yeah. shit and yeah. now they're sitting next to conan o'brien telling yeah. stories about how they're trying to fly back in a plane <laughs> fuck me i was dying man it was so fun it was like they were i was in stitches man because they they were they're pretty good and it's not even their 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 native language it's no. like their second language and so they were a lot of comedy going on oh yeah i'm I'm quite looking forward to uh, uh they told me they'd come and sit down with me at some point in the future so mm-hmm. i'm really looking forward to that because i have a feeling it's just going to be wind them up and let them go i'm sure but man they uh i was just talking to them this morning they're in the drop zone and so they uh I just they were kind of alluding to some of the stuff that they were had been doing, mm. and so they said that there's some new footage on YouTube. I know they said there's something about a they did a base jump, like took off from a ramp up in Norway and just like 
kind of went off and started the engines and took right. off. And I saw something the other day where it was just like either Vince or Fred was just hovering. Next to a helicopter. Yeah. I saw amazing. that. Holy shit. Did you see the one when they were flying with um, with the French aerobatic team, the jets? Yeah. It's insane. Listen, I was talking with Fred and Fred's like, man, he goes, I, you know, here we are. We're flying with these. There's like 10. Uh, it looks like they're the Blue Angels or the Thunderbird, yeah. like formation scatter. They're flying like a diamond, you know. And so they had to fly those jets so slow because these guys, 250 knots is the max that these guys could Sure. Go. Yeah. And so they're flying 250. And so they're flying super slow in formation, which is crazy. It's insane. They're just flying straight. They're not yeah. doing anything. And so when they turned, they did this super really gradual turn. So that whole thing is like banking. So all 10 of those planes are like, imagine being at like a 20 degree angle all the way through it. Oh, know? yeah. And so Fred's all the way at the top, Vince at the bottom, and Eve's like somewhere else in there. And I remember Fred was like, they're all in comms. And, and he was going through that turn. And as they're turning, he's way up in there looking from the high side of the wing all the way through the middle and the guy in the jet's like would you guys look at these guys look at these guys i want to do that oh man that looks so cool isn't that ridiculous yes it's absolutely incredible that uh, that they're looking at vince and fred going oh my god i want to be that cool <laughs> and fred's like if there was a moment that, like, I just want to, like, linger on for a really long time, that would be my moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, when they were doing the workups for flying with the big uh, A380, I was privileged enough to be one of the otters that they were doing the practice with. And uh, sitting in the captain's seat and looking out my window at a jet man <laughs> formed up on my wing is just the most insane thing. And, of course, that was the reverse of their thing with those jets. They had to actually go slower than they'd prefer because the yeah. otter's not a fast bird. Yeah. You know, so they were going a little bit slower. And this was a couple of years back. So uh, I know that they've improved even more with the jets and stuff. But yeah. more, Like bigger engines. Bigger and engines, so, faster. Yeah. I mean, well, for them to be able to hold a hover. Yeah. And not a it's hover crazy. just off the ground, but a hover at thousands of feet. Fucking yeah. hell. Actually, I didn't even realize I was talking with, with friend Vince this morning. And I, I was like, because they're both jumping this, uh, they have this like supine harness that they're jumping like, mm. for flying canopies. And I, I said, are you, you guys, you guys are jumping that with the, with the jet man. And he's like, no, we're jumping 360 square foot canopies, like tandem rigs. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was kind of surprised. It's, uh, well, I mean, I can't imagine the logistics that goes on to, <laughs> I, I don't even want to try wow. and imagine. I mean, that's, that's Buzz Lightyear shit. It really is that, that cool. That is Buzz Lightyear. It is. If it's you Buzz Lightyear. put Buzz Lightyear side by side with the Jetman, they're oh, like, yeah. they're like I don't, the exact same thing. How in the fuck Disney is not sponsoring <laughs> these guys is beyond me. I mean, holy shit, they really are Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> It really does make me wonder because I never would have imagined. Yeah. I never would have imagined. Actually, dude, I never thought until you said Buzz Lightyear. Like, I never really, but I can see Buzz Lightyear right now with like that. You know, oh, like yeah. That, I'd the... fucking <laughs> kill to get one of them dressed up like Buzz Lightyear screaming <laughs> to infinity and beyond before they take off, man. That would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> well, so what comes next, man? I mean, shit, you've pretty much covered... Uh, this huge swath the, of your life and, and mm -hmm. done so many different things in skydiving. Are there any different aspirations? Are there any uh, different goals in skydiving or any other sport or any other thing? I mean, is it just keep on keeping on? Or Well, the one thing is I want to stay healthy, man. Yeah. Like it, and you, you alluded to it earlier. It's like, you know, I'm 53 and, man, I'm, 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 the, the older I get, the more I realize that I 
want to keep jumping, mm. but I, I'm not jumping as much. I'm not jumping like when I was on a full-time training trip. Sure. Like even when I was here at Skydive Dubai, I was probably doing 250 jumps a year, right. you know? And so I'm probably doing the same thing. So, man, it's like I'm 53 and like, I, you know, like, man, I want to keep jumping while I can. Yeah. There's going to be a time when I'm going to like, not going to be able to jump, even though I hate to say that, man. It's like, but I want to be like Lou Sanborn. Right. <laughs> Just you know? still going. I'll be like Lou Sanborn. <laughs> well, it was. Uh, I stopped jumping for about four years, uh, and uh, flying took over for me. And and uh, um, I, I hit a point for myself in the sport where I, I just didn't have the the passion. I I was working in the sport way too quickly yeah. and didn't draw as much fun out of it as I should have. But you're still jumping though. Yeah, yeah. So I got back into it because uh, um, actually a mutual friend of ours, Junior, um, mm-hmm. uh, one day asked. Hey, you want to go make a jump? And I got butterflies because I hadn't jumped in like four years. And I'm like, oh, fuck, that's a scary thought. I guess I should probably go jump again because I'm scared. <laughs> I'm nervous, you know. And, and of course, fell back into it. And I became after, well, it would have been 19, almost 20 years in the sport at the time. I, for the first time, I became a fun jumper. Awesome. And just went, yeah, man, just went out to have fun. And same thing. I mean, I turned 50 this year and um, it takes a toll. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many jumps do you have? 30, a little over 30,000. 30 fucking thousand jumps. Man, I mean, I've got 11,000, and every part of my body affected by that reminds me every morning, hey. Man, I don't have that, Dean. Really? I don't have it. Lucky fucker. Dude, I've been super flexible. I just had for the first time ever. Like, I broke my ankle on my second jump. That's (laughs) it. That was it, man. And so... No blown out knees, no blown out ankles, no nothing, shoulders, neck. So I just had where my, my shoulder, like, you know, the pull shoulder. And yep. so I like, oh, yeah. like Rook Nelson, there's a couple other people, they, they had to switch over to the left. Like I had like two or three teammates that had to switch over to their, their left hand because just that rotational movement oh, like, yeah. coming in, it's like this movement, like going in to grab your pilot, shoot, yep. pulling it out and then letting it go. It's something, it's like it's rotator a, cuff. It's rotator cuff or like supraspinatus. And this yep. is what it was diagnosed with me it was supraspinatus. Yep. So I was, um, man, for a while there, I was like not working out. I was sure. getting kind of fat and just fat, numb, and happy. And I, I was like, man, no. Yep. <laughs> no. Yep. Not doing it, man. Can't so, do it. No, I can't do it. Because, man, it's like it'll happen much faster when you're 50 than when you're 40s and 30s. And I'm well, sure it's the same when you're 60s. Yeah. Well, there's a huge amount of pride in, in being the age that we're at and still being able to keep up with the kids. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, um, still be able to not have limitations because this hurts or that's hurt. I mean, I, I've slowed down some, but not because I can't do things, just right. because I go, oh, wait a second. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take it a little bit slower here and there, but I've still got the ability and still right. certainly enjoy it. It's one of the reasons that I work out as much and, as I can. And to be able to run. I mean, like, if you're going to jump a high-speed canopy, like, dude, you, you have to, because you can't choose to land on a golf course no. every time. No. You know, like, a lot of times you're traveling, you, you're going to go to Australia here someplace else, and you're going to, like, the thing's not level and, and you're smoking down wind and it's like you're going to have to run it out or you're going to have to slide. Oh, but, yeah. But like the thing is, it's like it it could happen even quicker as you get older. Sure. And so I think we're both saying the same thing is I want to stay in shape and I, I don't want to be heavy. And, nope. and I, I want to work out. Yeah. And, and it's like. Well, and uh, for most of my adult life, I've played the singles game. So I had a lot of motivations for staying in shape. <laughs> 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 so I had to I had to try and stay in shape that way, and and now my girlfriend uh, uh, I guarantee does not want me getting fat and tubby. You know, 
the hair's already going. She's coping with that. But I don't think I think fat and bald. No, that wouldn't work. That would not work. Well, and your significant other for years and years is a badass skydiver of her own. And we were teammates for. I think she was on airspeed. She got in 2002, and we left in 2011. So how was that? Amazing, man. Yeah? Amazing. Just like, truly, like, and I'm not just saying that because I know she's going to be listening, but, like, she she is truly the one. But aside from that, she's she is a badass, and she's a badass. And she she won the women's event right. in 2001. Then she we got on our team. She came on airspeed, and she won the eight-way with us right. in 2004, and then we won the four-way in 2008, and we tried to win it again in 2010 and just had probably one of the best four-way competitions of our entire life. And we were tied up after round nine and went to a 10th round, right. and we lost it in the 10th round. Again. Wow. So, you know, all those things that I told you about the world championship, there's, that's the ones we won, but there's still those silver medal ones that were just sure. sometimes even better than the gold. Even oh, though yeah. It's, but it's like just because... It was like we put up such a good fight and super proud of that performance. But she is a badass. Oh, yeah. She oh, absolutely. I mean, she's she carries a shitload of weight on her own. There's so, no doubt. So we're talking about Eliana Rodriguez because <laughs> we haven't even mentioned her name. So <laughs> my significant other. Significant other. Well, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, I've talked to a couple of uh, couples and uh, like Pat and Siobhan K. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pat's like, fuck no. I'm not training her for shit. She's doing it all on her own and and uh, she's a m- much more relaxed jumper obviously uh but uh it seems to go yeah. one or the other either it's a couple that can do it yeah. all together yeah. or they do none of it together well we were like if you look at a four-way team we were peace partners it breaks into two pieces right like, and they, they're always turned together so we were peace partners in the four-way we were peace partners in the eight-way <laughs> jesus yeah but we were to- we're together all the time and, and like and i'm gonna say it not i'm, I'm saying it because it's the truth there's like i my favorite person I want to hang out with, man. Best friend, man. That's she is fucking awesome, cool, man. She's awesome, man. And and like, you know her, Dean. It's sure. Like, it, it, if you're gonna take you five seconds to have a conversation with her, and you're like, "Yep, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I see it, man. Oh I yeah, see it. She's oh yeah." Well, both you guys, it's it's kind of funny because, uh, like I said, the the first impression that most people get with you, and one that I still have after the years that I've known you, is professionalism is the first word that that uh, comes to mind, but also. Just friendly, outgoing, and gregarious, and both of you guys are exactly the same way, extremely approachable, and if you know anything about your history, that's not necessarily what you'd expect, Um, but just the way you even carry yourself, and she is exactly the same way, you carry yourself with a, hey, come say hi, kind of, you know, I mean, I think the few times that you've ever gone, oh, hang on a second, because you're deep in training and doing all kinds (laughs) of stuff, but otherwise, you have never been anything but extremely approachable, Um, for those listening right now craig and i are sitting in a bathroom <laughs> dean's on the toilet yeah I'm, I'm i'm literally i'm i'm kneeling on the toilet in a bathroom to do this podcast now granted it's it's a very pimp studio like toilet pimp, but i got craig gerard to come sit in a toilet with me so that says a lot about this guy it really does <laughs> well I, I came in so like dean was showing me in the apartment and i and i looked i go what is this a closet he goes no man, it's a toilet. <laughs> so it's got like these little like the all the sound equipment's over the top of the sink and the toilet, but it's kind of covered. I was like, yep. pretty well done, Dean. We uh, uh, one of the ideas was uh, because I keep I always say it's uh, another edition of the Lunatic Fringe coming from the can. Obviously now it's because the can's the toilet, <laughs> but the the running joke was because it's not on video that uh, I'd have the toilet open and just occasionally just drop like an ice cube in there, so you'd hear the. <laughs> <laughs> 
Plunk. <laughs> just as a good laugh. <laughs> well, so as we uh, as we wrap things up, what do you want to um, up and coming jumpers or jumpers that are are trying to find their way in the sport or uh, even established people that are kind of hitting a stalemate or anything? What advice would you give to them to keep the passion going? I mean, you've been doing this a long time and yeah. you still love the hell out of it. Well. I'm I'm going to come back to where I started. Is, is if you're an experienced jumper, you have to welcome people, mm. man. Because the people that want to jump, sometimes they're not the the superstars, and and they're just the guys that want it because it looks different. Mm. And and but I think mo- the majority of skydivers know this already. But just to to restate it, go out of your way. If there's somebody on the drop zone that you don't know who they are. Don't just walk by them and don't don't like, eh, well, I'll meet them some other time and say, hey, I'm Craig, man, what's your name? Sure. You know? and, and for the guys coming in, it's like if you think about coming to a drop zone, everybody put yourself walking into the biggest drop zone you've ever had, how nervous you are, and mm. you're like, I don't care what I'm doing. I just want somebody to ask me. If I want to jump, sure. not like, do you, how good are you? How many jumps do you have? Da 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 da. Where are you from? Is like, like no ego. Like, hey, would you like to make a jump? And sure. luckily, there's a lot of sky, a lot of organizers out to do that. But listen, like us as individuals, we we have to do that. Like, if there's somebody we don't know, let's go introduce ourselves, mm. welcome them back in, and like just keep the love going. Absolutely. Well, that's one of the things that I've had to try and reprogram myself to do because I've spent so much time in the front of the plane yeah. that it's very easy for me to become anonymous. Uh, and a lot of the jump pilots out there are that way. I mean, fuck, I'm flying an insane amount of loads. I have yeah. just enough time to pee, shove some food in my face, and then go. And then when I come out to jump, um, I'll do hop and pops or whatever, just get on the loads where I can. But I've had to relearn how to go out of my way to go, hey, yeah. so what's going on? And and I forgot for so long and re-remembered when I started jumping again and I became a fun jumper for the first time that, oh, my God, this is this is why I got into it in the first place. It's not just because it's this and it's badass and jumping and all that. It's everything. And, well, and people like – a lot of people, they, they a lot of people here know you too. But mm. like, if people are coming, they don't know that you're the pilot unless they unless you can see your right hand, right? Like, you know, like flying that, they got a tattoo on the back of it or something. But That's like, it. Like I'm the pilot, you yeah. know, and I'm jumping. Yeah, you know, like that was one of the. I, I wrote an article quite a while back that uh, was talking about flying uh, as a, uh, a jump pilot for a long time. And I'm at the larger drop zone. It's true that most people, even some of the people that are out there every weekend, jump and don't even know who their pilots are. You, you don't see them, you know. Yeah. I mean, you go to some place like Paris Valley or Eloy that's just turning and burning yeah. all day long, and you're a weekend warrior. You might never actually see your pilot. No, a lot of they don't shut the planes down. They hot, right. they hot fuel them. They'll switch out the pilot. They'll come out, switch out a pilot while it's hot fueling, and yeah. just just keep them on going. Oh yeah, man. When I was in Chicago, um, flying for Chicagoland, we hot fueled on a separate little grass strip. I would get out of the airplane, I would hot fuel it myself, get back in the airplane, and my record was 40 loads in one day. And wow. by, yeah, by the time I shut down, everybody else was gone. You know, and that was the standard. I was there before everybody, I was in the airplane running when they showed up, and I didn't get out until the sun was going down. Turning and burning. So it, I was really glad to get back into turning into a fun jumper and being able to do exactly what you said, which is going out of my way to meet people that yeah. I wouldn't normally meet and, and uh, welcome them in. 
And the other one is, man, it's like cross-pollinate, man. It's mm. like, you know, I, I dig that. Like when free flyers go belly flying and like going wingsuiting and canopy flying, you know, it's like, I love that, man. It's well, it's one of the cool things about when hybrids started to become popular mm-hmm. because you had people that uh, were uh, free flyers from the beginning that couldn't build a fucking round. Right. <laughs> To do a hybrid, and they had to learn. And it was, I, mm-hmm. I was lucky enough that I came into it when it was mostly belly mm-hmm. and free flying was just starting. And free flying has always been my preference simply because I've always been a smaller group skydiver. It's been two and three and four guys. And um, when you're just out screwing around, grabbing a chest strap and a leg strap and rolling out the door was just the funnest thing to do. Yeah. Um, but I was lucky in that I got to see both sides of it um, and uh, can appreciate the skill and the intensity of the uh, RW stuff, um, but also love the, the freedom, so to speak, of the free-flying stuff. Yeah. So it's really cool. So you're right, cross-pollinating, yeah. doing a little bit of everything. And occasionally, go take a ride along with the pilot. <laughs> yeah. Come keep us company. <laughs> Sit up in the cockpit. Shoot the shit with us. Find out what we do. You know what? In, in Skydive Arizona, they they don't do that. Like they they did it for a while, and they had the um, the the auto feather switch. You know, they had <laughs> so like a lot of people would would, and so they're like, no more, man, no more. <laughs> like so they would auto feather. And so sure. like it happened a couple of times, and so they're like, no. Nobody can go in the right seat up there, but that's not like that here. Like yeah, that, yeah. Right? And, well, in a lot of drop zones, we were always able to, but uh, uh, as a jump pilot, you get really good at giving a hell of a briefing. <laughs> All right, don't look. touch that. Yeah, if it moves, including me, don't fucking touch it. <laughs> and the most important of which is if you're going to scream on the way down, move your fucking microphone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, any other parting words? Is there any place that people can go or where should they go to check out uh, Airspeed and check out all the other stuff that you're doing? Uh, are there Instagram accounts, Facebook? Uh, I don't have an Instagram account. Good for I, you. I'm on Facebook and uh, WhatsApp. Uh, I don't know if you can get that. <laughs> no, don't, 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 don't give out give, your WhatsApp give out my number. number. My yeah, phone no. number is. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I'm just on, on Facebook. But uh, Just have them follow an Airspeed and and, uh, um, and see if the if the Russians pull it out this year. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be on Sky League. So, like, Sky League, if you're not familiar with it, it's uh, basically it's an online newspaper that's written by Kurt Gable out of Deland, Florida. And so it's, it's www.skyleague.com. Dot com awesome. and it has all the follows all the four way and eight way and all that stuff. Awesome, very cool. Well, they should all definitely go check that out. Of course, uh, keep up with uh, what happens with uh, the Russians. We gotta <laughs> decide who, what team you're rooting for. Uh, and well, I, I'm always rooting for the U.S. You guys, but listen, the thing <laughs> is, it's like I want what I want, and and, and if people who know me, I know I've said this all the time. I want a good competition. Hell yeah. Like, if I watch a football game, like I watch the Super Bowl, I'm like, I want I want to see it go to overtime. And yeah. I want to see it to go, I want to go to uh, the jump off rounds. Sure. Like, that's what I want. That's And when I was competing, that's all I wanted. I don't care what happens. I want to go to the jump off round. Well, yeah, there's nothing less satisfying than an easy win. Yeah. No, man, like if you go go see a fight, it's like, and it's just a killer. They're just killing each other. And it's just like a great, a great competition is something that's, yeah, you're going to, you're going to earn, you're going to win fans. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So let's win some fans. All right. Well, (laughs) then uh, we'll we'll see how everybody does. Uh, I'm right there with you. Go Golden Knights. But we'll see if the Russians can't put a. (laughs) Go Golden Knights do, but go, go, go Airspeed. Go Go Airspeed. Go Golden Knights. Yeah. And go, go Russian guys. But (laughs) just don't go that hard. (laughs) 
<laughs> Craig, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. That's I really great. appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll shoot the shit again. Yeah, man. All right, take Thanks, care. Man. Right on, bud. See ya. Thanks. Once again, folks, uh, thank you for joining us for yet another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, uh, proudly brought to you in association with the greatest, most amazing skydiving magazine on the planet, Blue Skies Mag. You're going to want to head to their website, blueskiesmag.com. At that website, you can subscribe to this epic magazine. You can get previously published issues if there's one out there you want to see again. You can get awesome swag, anything from leggings to pull-up cords, all kinds of cool shit. So head to blueskiesmag.com like right fucking now. Uh, after that, you're going to head to my website, thefuckingpilot.net. Uh, on thefuckingpilot.net, you're not only going to be able to find every other podcast and a bunch of other platforms, but you're going to be able to find both books that I've written. Uh, one is The Fucking Pilot Book, which is a compilation of previously published fucking pilot articles for Blue Skies Magazine. Uh, the other one is The Accidental Stripper, which is about exactly what you think it's about. Uh, both of those can be found on the website or on Amazon.com. You can also find me on Instagram under the princess pilot, the princess pilot. Uh, they don't like me cussing that much, so whatever. Uh, and uh, you can also find me on Facebook under the fucking pilot, uh, but this time it's the effin pilot, E-F-F-I-N pilot on Facebook. As always, I am the fucking pilot. This has been Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, and it's been a blast having you. Uh, we'll see you next time around. Blue skies. And there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right, head to Pussfoot.com, the Extreme Sports Collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com. Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know them, you love them. Head to TonySuit.com. Check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to YouTube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe Podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or princesspilot.com. Thanks for joining. See you next time around.